Talk at nine. Open line. Welcome back. 17 minutes past 10 o'clock. We have Fraulein back. Uh, Fraulein Mutlacha, good evening. And uh, Is it Fraulein or is it Fraulein? It's Fraulein. Oh, so, uh, as in German, as in Deutsche. Fraulein. German lady. Yes. Da, say no. <laughs> good evening to you and thank you for joining us. Thank you. You're welcome. Look, I mean, stunning career, very interesting career. Um, I dare say 12 years. Uh, are you saying to me that for 12 years you managed to get away with smuggling contraband uh, via our various international airports as while working as a flight attendant? Yes, it happened. Wow, that is absolutely... And, and I mean, let's just start on that bit because, I mean, 12 years is a very long time and all too often what we read in, in, in you know, news stories around this type of... Not to glorify it and not to... And I know that's not what you're looking for. You know, you're not trying to be the big pimp yes. in telling your story. But all too often what happens is that we read these stories and it's usually someone's first time that they try to sneak in whatever item, you know, drugs or other illegal items. And then lo and behold... Uh, they get caught the very first time. You did this for 12 years. What what do you bring that down to? How was it possible for you to do this for 12 years without getting caught? Yes, because as, a, as part of the airline staff, we get uh, priority and you get familiar with the security checks. Mm. And in these 12 years, uh, I was taking breaks and there would be other guys working for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, yes, and uh, I'm telling my story because I entered into a covenant with God. It's something that God did for me. Then he played his part mm. and I have to do my part. Yes. And one of the conditions was for me to write the book and do a film. So that's why you see the book and I have to tell the world what God did for me. I, I in hear that you. prison I hear cell, yes, in that prison cell in Heathrow, when I was in trouble, I I prayed, mm. and yes, I was set free. Let, let's talk about was, what what led up to that. Let's let's talk about that because here you are for twelve years. This keeps on going. In as you said, you found yourself literally in a jail cell in in at Heathrow uh, International Airport in London. What had happened, and and what did it lead to? You mean what led me to the drug trafficking? Yeah, uh, let's let's start with the drug trafficking. What led to it? Yes, I just uh, found myself having uh, difficulties in my family, my parents' uh, marriage breaking up, and my the loss of my brother mm. uh, who died, and I couldn't just cope. I needed an, an escape, and uh, a friend of mine approached me, and I took the offer. Yes, and uh, my father had started another family, mm. and yeah, it was just too much for me. And my sister was about to start university, and my father was nowhere to be found. And you know, my parents' marriage was very, very solid, and the breaking of the whole system really affected me badly. So I take it that during this period, that's when all of this now became your responsibility. You have to look after your younger sister. You have to take charge of the family. So there's greater um, financial responsibility on you, but not necessarily greater assistance. And so when this friend came to you and said to you, listen, carry a couple of packages for me to another country, um, you know how, how the system works and you'll make some extra cash. I guess that was a very lucrative deal and offer for you. 
Yes, at first I declined the deal. And mm. when I started uh, getting all these problems at home, the pressure was too much. And then I just went back and called my friend and we started. And what was, and I mean, what, what, what routes? Was it a global thing or did you have particular routes that you sort of, uh, you know, got used to? And yes. that's, where, that's where you send, that's where you now, the courier for, how did, how did it all work? Yes, there were routes that I had to choose mm-hmm. and there were other guys, there were other people doing it as well. So I was being told to see other people making money. So I was given time to think about it and then I declined. But when the pressure, was, the heat was too much in my family, I accepted the offer. Already I was seeing that, okay, it, it's doable. People are doing it. So, so initially when you... So, so when you initially took that first offer and you agreed to do it the first time, was it going to be a once-off thing? Or was this something that you thought that, look, I'll just need, need to do this a few times and then I'm done, I'm out of it? Because usually that's how these things start, isn't it? That we just think that it's just once, it's just twice, and then I'm done and dusted, and then I can move on with my life. Yes, it was supposed to be a once-off thing, but uh, I realized how easy it was. And then I decided to do it three times, four times, until I could pay off my sister's fees at the university. And after that, then the abuse started uh, with my parents. My, my father would be chasing my mom out of the house. And then the demands started getting bigger. So I just continued and went on and on to try and get a new life for my mom. So, I mean, so I mean, for all, all intents and purposes, and obviously, again, we we understand and appreciate the fact that what you were doing at the time was wrong. But it always sounded like there was a good reason behind it. It was always based on the extra bit of money was going to assist you deal with yet another challenge in your family. And and family life, unfortunately, does, and not just family life, but life, I guess, becomes complex and difficult. And and you know, you then faced with these situations. Yeah, at the time I was still young, I was only 23, and I wasn't seeing clearly, I wasn't thinking, I took the wrong choice, and for me at that time, the escape, the only solution Mm. that I thought would be better was to go for this, and it happened over the years, and then I was getting away with it until I got arrested. Was there a point where... It wasn't just now about survival anymore. And look, the money is good. You can afford a couple of extra things that you otherwise wouldn't have been able to afford. Things that you can enjoy for yourself as a human being. I mean, all of us have things that we would like to get our hands on, things that we would enjoy, things for ourselves. Did it ever get to that point that that was the motivator now? That I get to buy those clothes, I get to buy this perfume, etc., etc.? Yes, of course. I, I also got hooked on counting money, on shopping. I, 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 I lost myself. I wasn't myself anymore. When I didn't have money, mm. you know, thousands of pounds, I would feel sick. I also got addicted, just like an, an addict. Mm, mm. And in terms yes, of, I, I mean, money. Sick. And in yes. terms of money, how, I mean, how much were you making at this point in time? It would depend on the routes. Mm. You know, yeah, London would not be paying the same as uh, going to Argentina, Sao Paulo, and the U.S., it, and it would depend on the market because uh, um, at some point I stopped working for the people who first recruited me. I became my own boss. Wow. I would 
go and buy in uh, different places, Argentina, Brazil, and I had other people working for me in the airline. So, yeah, it's uh, there isn't a specific amount. Like, if I could have maybe four people mm. going for me, it would be different than next month. And while I would be doing it as well, and sometimes I would be working on the ground and other people would be going for me. It's a dangerous business, though. I mean, weren't you ever scared that uh, some of the people who recruited you into the business in the first place, some of your competitors would start getting annoyed? And, you know, it's not the type of business where you can write an angry email to someone to try to dissuade them from doing this business. Usually it involves guns and knives and assassinations and so on. So was it never a fear for you? No. At first it was. That is why sometimes when I would realize that... um, because how I started raising capital was uh, I, I duped the person who sent me. Mm. Yeah, I just lied to the person that, you no, know, they were searching. So I left the bag and I, I got the bag and I had contact. That's how I started. And after I had enough capital, I went on office duty for about three, four months mm, mm. just to make them forget. And then I started doing my own thing. So there wasn't uh, a lot of threat on my side because I became my own boss and uh, I had a child in between the time and I would be studying also, taking uh, study leave. Mm -hmm. So yes, I became my own boss and I had uh, people working for me. So it was safe on my side, unlike other guys, yes. No, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's absolutely I mean, a high level of, of intelligence that you showed there during this particular period. I mean, that's that's one thing for sure and for 12 years. But you had a 12-year run, uh, starting off obviously working for someone else, eventually basically working for yourself. But then it came to a sudden end uh, one fateful day at Heathrow International Airport in London. Would you tell us what happened yes. then? Tell us the story. What happened? I knew that I was going to be arrested. I knew that my end was coming because I had a dream about it. And one day when I was sleeping, I dreamt of a man uh, holding the Bible written Paul. Mm. So I went and checked what is this man, what was he trying to say, you know, and uh, I understood the message very well that, yes, I'm going to be arrested. So the week before I got arrested, uh, that was around the 28th of December, I had a flight to London. I had a voice tell me that next week you'll be arrested. And I knew that yes, I will be arrested. So that was supposed to be the last flight. But while I was cleaning my garage, I found some more drugs. Mm. And I, I couldn't throw them, throw them away. And the market was so scarce. So... I had to take a chance, mm. a risk, yes, knowing fully well that I might be <laughs> arrested, yes. Even the lady who I was working with, the security lady, I mm. told her, yes, that all the signs were there. I lost my phone. I couldn't get hold of her. Everything was just a mess for that day. And when I told her that bring those bags back, uh, she just pointed at the cargo door. It was closing in. 
the door was closing and I knew that, my God, this is it. And then that's when I called my father. I said, I'm ready to serve God now. Mm, mm. I don't want this job anymore. Because now you knew that. I just knew. Because now you knew that it's over. Yes, I knew even when on board the whole night, I was just praying God, asking God for forgiveness, that I will do anything that he wants me to do. I don't want to go to jail. Mm. I just knew. Wow. And and I mean, what what happened then? So here you are, you're, you've lost your phone, your contact is pointing at the drugs behind the, the cargo door. Uh, your heart, I'm sure, is beating in your throat at that stage and, and, and you feel that your whole world is coming to an end. I'm sure you think about friends, you think of family, your child back home, and all, the entire situation is sort of just getting out of control. What happens next to you? I, I joined the, the flight. I thought of booking off sick, but I decided, I realized that no other guys are going to be in trouble and they will know that it's me. I joined the flight. I couldn't cancel. I just went ahead that I will face it when I'm on the other side. Wow. And then when the arrest, tell, take us through the, the actual arrest. What happened when you were taken into custody? What did it feel like? What happened? What was, what was it that you were thinking at that point? The entire crew was uh, locked up. Mm. And immediately when the bus driver stopped the car, that's when I just started praying crying to God that I'm not going to stay behind. I just cried in my heart silently, you know, asking God that how do I pray? What do I do? I can't stay or he better kill me. He better give me heart attack. There's no way I'm going to go to jail. Right, shame. I was just just praying, crying, and that's when I took the vow. You know, I say I entered into a covenant with God and I could feel that something was happening while I was in that prison cell for questioning. And subsequently, we were brought back. And subsequent to that, I mean, were you, did you, obviously, did you have to go through a trial? Were you found guilty? Or was it a case of, look, this is your final chance and you get to go home to your family and to your loved ones, but uh, your life is going to change forever? Yes, obviously, the, uh, uh, we were brought back and I uh, got arrested because the CCTV camera, mm. uh, they pointed at me and I had accepted that, yes, it's me. Mm. So I was taken to Sun City prison. So with the bail application process, I was out on bail. So surprisingly, I, I, uh, I left jail on Friday. I was released on Friday. The Sunday when I got to check to church, I just received a prophecy that uh, God has forgiven me. And then I was so shocked. I was so shocked. And the pastor just came to me and said, God wants to use you. And I said, I know. Clearly, I mean, for you, this was not just about, um, how do I put it? This was not just about you obviously getting into trouble. Um, This was not just about you getting into... Um, a you know a situation legally, but for you this was a massively spiritual journey. Yes. Um, what is it that you're doing now? Because I mean, it's one thing to say that I dedicate my life to God, and and yes, it it might mean that you stop drinking, that you stopped looking for the finer things in life. It might mean that you not having uh, you know illicit relationships as far as religion is concerned, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But 
I'm sure it must go much further than that, isn't it? Yes, uh, I've got, um, I'm raising, I'm doing restitution. I went back to SAA mm. and they are to make uh, amends. You know, I pleaded with them to forgive me. And um, I'm doing, I'm raising awareness now. I have entered Miss um, Universe pageant as part of my project to continue with the restitution for the drug trafficking awareness. Mm, mm. And yeah, I help with corruption in companies. I realize that is, uh, there's too much corruption. That's one of the mandates that God has given me to help with corruption. Because going back to SAA, it was so difficult for me. I didn't want to go. I was still um, embarrassed, you know. I didn't know how to start. But God was insisting that I go there and apologize to them. And I did. I mean, one of the things that stands out for me about your journey and what you are telling me right now is obviously raising the necessary awareness. And maybe let's have that part of the conversation as well. You're talking about corruption. I mean, did corruption play a role in what you were doing? Because I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking to myself that obviously the first place that we can go to in terms of uh, guilt, in terms of, of liability is the fact that we know that drugs ruins uh, the lives of many young people. We have a serious problem in this country with drugs in itself. If you go to the Western Cape, if you go to parts of Pretoria, where people will literally tell you that uh, drug addicts control certain parts of the, of, of the city, that it's not safe there. That's the obvious stuff that we talk about. But ultimately, um, for that to happen, it needs to be enabled through the actions of other people. Do, would you say that, that it definitely played a role in your life, um, r- corruption, in that that's what enabled you to be able to do your business the way you were doing at the time? Yes, of course, uh, drugs play, plays a role. Uh, the, a lot of youth are affected. I deal with them every day. I cook with them every day. And um, I, what I've realized is everything starts from home. Mm. You know, everything, brokenness. You know, those kids who smoke, yeah, brokenness, yes. And even us who sell it, we don't see what exactly we are doing. I'm very passionate about raising this awareness because I never, not once, tried to find out what does this cocaine do. I was just looking at the money. It's only when I got arrested that let me try and find out exactly what does this drugs do. I was mm-hmm. so shocked to realize that, my God, I wonder if there's anyone who died with the drugs that were in my hands. I wonder if there's any child that has stolen from their parents to go and buy drugs. I wasn't aware of all those things. People need to know that, you know, if you go out there and buy drugs, you are making somebody rich. You know, even mm. that person who is dealing distributing is also broken and most people that i've been dealing with over the years is just brokenness now i mean with that with that knowledge at your disposal now you know that now but i take it that a lot of the people who enabled it um also because as you said you weren't alone in this thing there must have been officials involved people whether it be the simple uh, security guard, the person that checks the baggage or whatever the case is who allows it through because he got an extra kickback, etc., etc. Was any of that present in your smuggling during this period? That it wasn't just you and you taking a chance in putting through a bag, but that other people were involved and that they knew what was in the bag and they let it through anyway? Yes, 
Yes, uh, the lady I was working with, uh, I would pay her. Mm. The students, uh, South African students uh, and Jamaicans in London, those who were distributing from me, they all had issues. Mm, mm. It's all about uh, corruption. Everywhere, the airport here, yeah, I was paying the ladies. Even the person in Sao Paulo who I would send to go and buy would be bribery, bribery all through. Mm-hmm. And I mean, in terms of law enforcement, was law enforcement involved at all? Police, uh, senior officials within justice, uh, not just here, but anywhere else in the world, were they also involved? No. Okay. So yeah, was... at home, yeah. Only the security at home. The only thing that um, uh, here at home that I noticed what was happening, like when the police have uh, busted uh, drugs, they would just approach uh, trying and distribute, I still get approach, which shows that yeah, this uh, drug thing, it's a spiritual thing. How do they know that I once had my hands on it? Mm-hmm. No, I mean, Fraulein, it's 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 absolutely a, a fascinating story that you're telling us there. And and I mean, your your book is out, as you said, um, the vows of a drug smuggler. I just want to get the uh, details correct of your book here very quickly. I had another. Uh, section open, but I see that uh, there's all you know that that this book is out now. Where do people get their hands on it, and how much does it retail for? How where where can they get it? I'm on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are supposed to get it onto in exclusive books, but the lockdown disrupted everything, so they can get a hold of me on Facebook. On 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 Facebook to get a hold, and all that they have to look for is they have to look for Fraulein. Motlacha on on Facebook, yeah. and then that's where you would yeah. be able to get this uh, this yeah. this from. I mean, it's it's absolutely a stunning story, and I mean, it's it's quite shocking um, what you had been through, and and what you have seen, and what you have managed to achieve, albeit through illicit means. But I mean, it's still an absolutely stunning story. I mean, what are some of the lessons that people can learn from your story, Fraulein? I mean, I, I'm looking here. Uh, you're from Gazina in Tuane. Where were you from previously? I'm sure that uh, all these issues, where you find yourself a book out, uh, plus uh, being a, a tw- uh, you know a, a drug smuggler for for 12 years, all of those things when you were still a young woman, uh, if not a little girl, I'm sure you didn't see this coming one day as being part and parcel of this is what I'm going to do one day that I'm going to be a drug smuggler and these are some of the things that I'm going to do. Not at all, because I, I was studying my MBA. I did uh, become at Western Cape University, then enrolled for my honors with UNISA. Mm. And I was busy with uh, MBA aviation management with a U.S. university, Rushmore, Rushmore University. So, and my intention was to go up to Harvard. You know, those were the things that were on my mind, that, yes, I'm going to go to Harvard and get that PhD. That's, so this took me off track. Mm, mm. This took me off track, and I just got distracted, deeply affected, yeah. It just shows that uh, family system, family values, uh, they play a role in children. And they ultimately have a massive impact. I mean, I'm listening to your story, uh, you know, Fraulein, and I'm thinking to myself that unfortunately, to a large extent, and one doesn't want to 
I guess, blame family. I guess one doesn't want to just make it the sole, sole purview of family. But let's be honest, it was family and, and the responsibility that you had to play in the lives of your family that had then had that massive role in, in, in leading you to where you found yourself, uh, doing some of the things that you ended up doing. Yes, I was immature at the time. I was only 23. And looking back, I realized that I, uh, I made a big mistake. It was bad choices. But at that young age, there was no one to support me or to talk to. I just took the first uh, mistake, the first solution that came to my mind without thinking twice. Just the final one then for you. I mean, what are some of the lessons that people can learn? I mean, apart from obviously, I take it that when people go out and they buy the book, that um, they'll find out everything and anything that they need to know about your story, about what had happened to you and, and how they, you know, how it has um, impacted your life. What is this, this deal that you made with God uh, in finding yourself where you are today, et cetera, et cetera. But what is the main deal, uh, the main lesson that you'd like to impart onto young people, especially young people who are listening to this conversation right now, thinking to themselves that, you know what, I'm going through hell myself. My life is difficult. I got family issues. I got personal issues. I have these bills to pay. And if I could just get a little extra money. We know we've all had that conversation. Some of us just want that quick tender. Some of us think that, listen, if I just do this one illegal thing very quickly, the rest of my life will be, the rest of my problems will be solved. What is it that you just like to to, to pass on to young people thinking that? That uh, corruption is never a way out of a situation. You know, always uh, be open with your challenges. Don't take everything on your shoulder to try and solve issues that are bigger than you. Stay focused on your goal and never opt for a shortcut because at the end of the day, what is it that I've gained from all this money that I was making? I couldn't see anything. When I got into trouble, I wasn't even enjoying when I realized what I was doing. I wanted... I gave away the money that was in my account. I distributed it to the orphanages. And I asked God that if really you want to use me, start me clean as I am. I just gave away cars, everything. I just, you know, Mm. quick money, corruption, anything that you get illegally will never give you peace. Mm -hmm. I hear what you're saying. I mean, to, to parents as well. Marital problems, they always affect children, no matter how hard you try to have a solid foundation in the marriage. But, you know, take care of uh, the children. They do affect some parents. All these street kids, they are out there because it's loveless homes, too many problems. I've got a charity organization now, and I'm dealing with all these issues that are facing children, drug addicts, parents, mm. home, marriage, yes. And I take it to a large extent. I mean, even going back to the people that you recruited, the people that you, um, you know, I've, dealt with. I've destroyed. Um, yeah. I mean, a lot of those people are products of exactly that situation, isn't it? Because if, if yes. you know, if, if you come from a strong foundation and whether it be Fraulein or it be someone in Argentina or Brazil that comes and recruits you and says, listen, you, you can just make some quick bucks here. Yeah, this is how you do it. I mean, that person would have the fortitude or the strength at the very minimum to say, no, thank you. I don't need this. 
Um, yeah. And unfortunately, it's difficult to do it then when you find yourself yes. uh, in that family scenario. Not only that, you know, a lot of women who are visiting prison, unemployment, you know, family pressure, financial pressure. Mm. You know, I met uh, two ladies in Nigeria. It was out of unemployment. The other lady in Brazil, unemployment. You know, too much financial pressure. Mm. That is on women. A lot of, uh, some of the ladies are in marriages with Nigerians. Mm. And as soon as they are in the prison, the guy would just leave the country and go back to Nigeria and start a new life, maybe go to the U.S. And what happens to the children here? Mm-hmm. I hear you. Right. And as you yeah. put it, it's it's not because people want to do these things. It's not because people um, are just no, looking for the... I mean, you didn't start out saying that, look, I want the finer things in life. I want to have the nice things in life. It was a case of saying that this is for survival. The nicer things in life came after the fact. And by then, that's when you found yourself in, in, in serious trouble. Look, Fraulein, I, I really appreciate your time. Um, you were very generous with your time and your honesty. As you said, people can find you on Facebook uh, if they want a copy of the book. I'm definitely looking forward to have, giving the book a look myself. Um, I really appreciate your time this evening. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. All the best to you. That was Fraulein, uh, Fraulein Motlacha.